heart, shall we? Father, as we uh, consider your Son, this most important person in your universe, we ask that you would give us clarity and that you would open our minds and give us understanding. And more than that, dear God, here's what we're asking for, that our hearts may be devoted to him, that you would build devotion in our hearts, a love for him that we've never had before. And so we ask that you would glorify him and that you would strengthen us in our relationship with him, which will strengthen our relationship with you and strengthen our relationship with the Holy Spirit. We ask that you all would have your way and we give you the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, here is why we must be careful about what we think about Jesus, how we feel about Jesus, what we say about him. This is God the Father. This is his take on his son. This is my beloved son. Every ounce of love that I have goes to him. And of course, that gets shed right to us through his son. This is my beloved son. There is no S in the son. I only have one. And when I look at him, when I think about him, the response that God says is, well, beloved, I like him, I love him, I'm crazy about him, I adore him, he's my everything. I cannot do injury to the Son without doing injury to the Father. Here's what God says. You want to honor me? Honor my son. You want to dishonor me? Dishonor my son. So how does God feel about the son? He is all encompassing. Check this out. If anyone does not love the Lord, talking about Jesus, if anyone does not love the Lord, God is not looking for us to just have a healthy respect for His Son. Not looking for us to just have a healthy attraction to his son. He wants us to be in love with his son. If anyone does not love the Lord, he is to be accursed. 
Um, and then network, Naranatha. Tell me about network. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, there are two words in the Aramaic, and they just kept the same pronunciation. In other words, they just transliterated it into Greek. And it simply means, Lord, come. And so, this is an extremely important one word in English, but it's two words in Greek, and it simply is, Lord, come. That is the cry of the apostle's heart. What does he want from Jesus? He's talking about here the second coming of Christ when Christ comes for his believers. And what he says is, Come. And he's not saying, Come tomorrow, next week, next month, or after I finish my project. He says, This is what I want right now, and this is what I want every day is for Jesus to come. So folks, we can check the temperature of our own love for Jesus based on how badly do you want him to come right now. Or do you have other things that you love more and you would say to Jesus, could you just wait a minute before you come back? Because right now I'm really into this relationship. Right now I'm really into this job. I'm really into this success. I'm really into this ambition. This thing that I'm trying to accomplish. Could you wait a minute until I have some time to enjoy whatever it is that's distracting me from you? How badly do you want him to come like right now? There was a church where they were having church one day, and the uh, preacher said, How many of you want to go to heaven? Raise your hand. And everybody raised their hand. And there was one guy who didn't. And uh, the preacher was a little bit uh, confused. And he asked the guy, um, Why don't you raise your hand? And I asked him if anybody wanted to go to heaven. And he said, Well, I thought you were going to go to the bus right now. I thought we were going to go right now. I, I, I didn't want to go right now. Heaven Sunday, yes, but I want to go right now. Now, those who are in love with Jesus, they're saying, I want him now. The Apostle Paul, the Lord, gave him some flexibility in choosing whether to stay or go because of the severe persecution. He was in prison. He was under arrest. He had already finished writing scripture. And the Lord gave him some flexibility. And the Apostle Paul said, um, I'm really having a tough time with this. Or whether to go or stay. Because he was so much wanting to be with Jesus. And he said, 
But I'm, I'm sure I'll stay because you need me to. And that's why you can say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's why you can say, I no longer live, uh, but the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Because this life is all about Christ. Um, so seriously, how much, how badly, how intensely do you really want Jesus to come back? Hey, you don't know these girls. Y'all know these girls? <laughs> so we're babysitting them this weekend. And that's why Eunice is over in the cry room because they want to play and stuff like that, especially Zuri. She can sit still for about that long. Um, but man, we, we really enjoy those girls. And uh, they just pretty much everything on our schedule. Whatever I had planned to do this weekend, you know, it was out the window and and got a chance to spend some time with the grand nieces. Um, so I have no shame in my game. I'll tell you now when it comes to kids, uh, except my own, because you know, and I went overboard on my own too. Uh, I, you know, I didn't want to spoil my kids too badly, but they're kind of rotten. You know, a little bit. Um, but when it comes to other people's kids, I, you know, if I spoil them, that's your problem. You're the parent, you straighten it out. Um, and so, took them to the toy store yesterday, they were putting stuff in the basket, and uh, and, and uh, now I would ask, what is this? And I would read the baggage to her, and she would it in the basket, and whatever they wanted. Uh, they put it into the basket, and we gave them popsicles, and now it has a little bike at our house, and she rides her bike, and I took them out, and, and Zuri got a little scooter yesterday to ride out. She was trying to ride the scooter inside the box at Walmart, and they got these little bouncy balls, and got a little game to do operations, and whatever, whatever they saw that they wanted, they just put it in the basket. Gave them chicken nuggets because they liked that. They liked the McDonald's fries, so we gave them that. They loved the popsicles, so we gave them popsicles. They loved the cartoon channel Peppa Pig. I don't know if you'll ever watch that, but you're going to miss too much. Baby Shark, whatever they wanted to watch, the TV was theirs, and we bring it out, and, and the whole family room is filled with their table and their toys, and gave them oranges and apples and bananas, and uh, we did everything that we could to just fulfill their heart's desires. Nah. So, y'all trust me when I tell you this, do not go anywhere near a store with that woman. It will challenge your relationship with her. I did that one time. I was home from the Navy in Spanish town with my sis, and 
But you would think that she was at the largest mall in the U.S. because we were there just all the afternoon, all the night, and I think we kind of like closed the stores. And I said to myself, for the love of my sister, for the sake of our relationship, I will never ever do this again, and I have not. But I took the mountain driveway and let Nala pedal her bicycle, and I even had a little elastic rope where I could help her out on the pedaling, and Zuri with her little suit toy, and, and they were just having the time of their life. And, and then I said, all right, it's time to go back in, and we were going back here, and I helped uh, Zuri in with her little push toy, and Nala was waiting for me to come and bring her bike in, and. And, and I was up in Missouri, and, and, and I was just, just had a meltdown. And uh, I'm just running, now, now what's wrong, what's wrong, Lord, you heard this is the anthem. And, uh, and, and, uh, and, and at first she would talk, and then, and then she said, I want to go home. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, I thought y'all were having fun with us. Because then, you know, you need the popsicles and they, you know, they're just playing and having a good time and all that. But no matter what we can offer them, it just wasn't home. No matter how much of a slice of heaven we could make it, I miss my mom and my dad. You don't have anything in this whole house that can make up for that. And I don't have mom and dad. That's how you know you love Jesus. Is when there is nothing in this world that fills your desire for Him. This is what it means to love God. When there is nothing in this world that does it for you. Do you know what the word, you know what the Apostle Paul said? He said, I am dead to this world, and this world is dead to me. He said, there's nothing here that makes me want to say. That's where God wants our heart to go. And some of us don't have that kind of a love for Jesus. And so God has to help us out. Uh, you think the world is wonderful? Um, try on some of the sickness that this world has to offer. Try on some of the crime. Try on some of the brokenheartedness that this world has to offer. God has to intervene 
in our audience and really help us to understand that there's nothing that this world has that can match being with him. That we can be Christians who are not ready to go home, who don't have that kind of relationship with God. What's supposed to happen is we're supposed to live lives of obedience and faithfulness, and we're supposed to have the blessing of God on our lives and know the goodness of God in the land of the living. And we're supposed to respond, but there is nothing here that I love the way I love God. So, um, we've been talking about the miracles of Jesus, and the reason we're talking about the miracles of Jesus is because it's one of those amazing things about him. He could have just come, and he could have just saved you, and saved me by dying on the cross, but no. Um, and said he went to serve us too. He didn't come to just save us. Uh, he's not just a salvator. He's the servitor. He wanted to come and actually serve you and me. And that's what the miracles were about. None of it was about, let me uh, use my power to benefit myself. Do you know how rich he could have been just by doing miracles? They were all free. There was no charge. There was no grandstanding. Uh, it was all for the benefit of these people to show them the love of God. And so, what I, what I, what I can't answer is the why. Why is it that he was into people that much? Why is it that he loves us the way that he does? That is what I don't understand. And the Bible doesn't give us an answer, except that it says, God is love. And I mentioned that we can't talk about everything about Jesus, We're not going to live long enough to cover everything about Jesus. But um, I brought up this chart about the miracles of Jesus that are recorded here in the Bible. And we picked out a few of the miracles to talk about. And uh, I want to talk about one of his miracles today. From Luke chapter 4. I want to talk about one of the miracles that he did. Because it tells us something about him, about his nature, about his heart, about his priorities. It tells us something about him. So this is Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, and it picks up at verse number 31. Welcome, welcome. Luke 4, 
and 31. So, this is amazing to me. In Luke chapter 4, verse number 31, it says, And he came down to Capernaum. He was not the type that says, Y'all come. Instead, he was the type to say, I'll come to you. He was a traveling preacher, a traveling teacher. He was of the humility and of the servant nature um, that he would say, no, I'll come to you. You don't have to come find me. You don't have to figure out where I am. I'm the God who will chase you down. That's the God that we serve. I wasn't looking for God. I wasn't interested in God when he came looking for me. He came in the temple to me. He came down to Capernaum. What kind of car did he have? Um, he pretty much walked wherever he went. And so when you hear about the ministry of Jesus, you talk about sacrifice. Like I talked about in John chapter 4 when he went to the sidecar in Samaria to meet the woman at the well. It says he was tired by the time he got there around noon. This is a God who is willing to sacrifice for you. He showed it through being an itinerant preacher. He showed it through suffering uh, to be here for 33 years separated from God and to be subject to the bullies of humanity and the hatefulness of human beings. But that's the one we serve. I'll come to you. I'll sacrifice to do it. And um, it was Capernaum, and it was in the city of Galilee. What do you know about Galilee? Well, here's what the Jews um, communicated about Galilee. They said, if you want to be close to God, if you want to be a theologian, if you want to be a good Jew, go to Jerusalem. If you want to make money, think of reality. Some call it the Galilee of the Gentiles. So here's what this tells us about Jesus, that he is not just into the people who are upstanding. He is into the people that church folks would look at and say, they don't look like me, they don't act like me, they don't smell like me. He is into the ones who are in the highways and the hedges, not just into the ones who look the right way, act the right way, sound the right way, dress the right way. He is into those who are on the outskirts of life. Are you? You ever see somebody and you say, I'm better than they are. That's not the heart of Jesus. You see someone on the outskirts of life, you know what he says? I sure would like to serve them. I sure would like to show them the way. I sure would like to have a relationship with them. That was the heart of the Jesus that we serve. 
And you look at folks who are on the outside and say, I'm glad I'm not like them. I'm, I'm glad I'm better than that. You're not. You're not. You just got plucked out of the sewer that you were in and cleaned up by God. And otherwise, you'd be right still in the sewer just like the other person. But um, he was in Galilee, this red light district, uh, and he was teaching them. Jesus was never one to sit on his giftedness. He understood. The reason God has given me this gift is I can serve in the name of God. And he was always using his gift. What are you doing with yours? What are you doing for the kingdom of God where people can look at you and say, they're always doing this. They're so faithful to that. What is it that you're doing that would cause people to say the same thing about you? Oh, yeah, I could be all about him. I could be all about her. Because what they're into is, what they're doing for God is, the way that God is using them is, what is it that people can say about you? Because with Jesus, this is what he was always doing, using his giftedness of teaching. And uh, it says, them on the Sabbath. Um, we hear a lot about him, that on the Sabbath, he was always at some synagogue. In other words, he respected the Lord's day. He was faithful. He was regular. You could count on him. Why is it that he would be at the synagogue on the Sabbath, which was Saturday? Um, because there was no higher priority than spending time with God. And they wanted to spend time with God on the Sabbath, and that was what he did. People are not like that so often. But it doesn't mean that I can't. Just because others are not faithful doesn't mean that I'm going to let that influence me. I want to be a person who is faithful and, man, you can count on me. I want to be that person because that's how Jesus was. But uh, you see what it says in verse number 32? It says, and they were amazed at his teaching for his message was with authority. Picture that. So, so, so here's often what people think. They think, if I just tell people what Jesus said, they don't want to hear that. They're not interested in that. They won't be impressed with that. If you faithfully share the words of Jesus, his message, here is what the crowd says. Man, that's power, that's authority. Don't let the devil fool you. The devil will have us to believe that the word of God, people are not impressed by that, they're not be persuaded by that. That's exactly what persuaded me. It was the word of God. And you see, it's a thing that I use. Uh, I don't try to talk people into my logic, my reasoning. 
I simply give them what Jesus gave. I'm, I'm good at being a copycat and copying what Jesus said to me. That's where the power is. That's what changes people's lives. Don't go out trying to counsel people using your wisdom and your wit and your logic and what your mom and dad told you. Just stick to the script. Just stick to the word of God. Nothing else has power. Nothing else has power. It's message of authority. So in verse 33 in the synagogue, there was a man possessed by the spirit of an unclean demon, uh, fallen angels. They're not content to just rebel against God. They also want to do everything they can to destroy you, to destroy your life, your marriage, your kids, everything. The devil wants to leave you with absolutely nothing. He's not going to stomp you in the dirt and that's going to satisfy him. He won't be satisfied until you are dead, destroyed, separated from God. Um, but the devil has this part in me, and that's Jesus. Jesus. So, you think that it was just by accident that he runs across this man who was possessed by the Spirit? No, not at all. He knew that God was going to be there, and that's why he was there. Just like it says in John chapter 4, he just had to go through Samaria. Why? Because he had to make contact with this woman who did not know the Lord. He is the enemy of your enemy. And that's why he's there. Um, there's this man who is possessed. So let me tell you something about possession. There's only one way to do it. There's only one way to get possessed. And that is you've got to be in defiance against God you got to do something to open that portal into the spirit realm because God has made a separation between the physical and the metaphysical. God has made a separation between the physical and the spiritual. That's why you can't see demons and you can't see angels because God doesn't want us interacting with the spiritual world. They are like bad dogs that are behind a fence. Um, that fence is there, and God says, yeah, we're going fence, but we can walk up, and we can stick our arm through the fence, and the bad dog can grab our arm, or whatever. We can get into the fence. The only way for a person to be possessed is that somebody, and we can... Uh, as the head of the household, we can rebel against God and we can invite unclean spirits into our, into our home to where our children are exposed. Uh, we can do that sort of thing. And so when you see somebody with a situation like this, uh, this is something that was not something that the demon has had the power to do. Somebody has to give it the power 
Somebody has walked in rebellion. Somebody has said, God, I don't want you. And by default, they are yet evil. So this man is possessed by this by the spirit of an unclean uh, demon, and so probably it's something that he did uh, to mess himself up. But here's the heart of God. I know that you messed up. I know that this was your fault. I know that the situation you're in is one of your making, and so you fix it. Nah, that's not the heart of God. The heart of God is, I know that you messed up, but yes, still here for you. That's the heart of God. And we're willing to let God fix our messes. He will. He's the one who said, I'll restore what the locusts have eaten. I'll restore those years where you were living outside the grace of God. That's the heart of our God. That's why he's here. Um, he has his unclean demon. He's crying out with a loud voice. Why? Because you can pick your rebellion, but what you can't pick are the consequences. <laughs> you can be bad and bold, and you say, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm smarter than God. Uh, God's old-fashioned, and I'm new-fashioned, and I'm going to do what I want to do. You can pick your rebellion, but what you cannot pick are the consequences. He was in control to whatever he was doing, but now he's not in control anymore. The demon is in control. When we walk into rebellion, we're going to lose control. It is not freedom. It's not liberty. It's not I'm wrong and I'm going to do it my way. No, you're walking into bondage. Those who don't know God, they flat out get possessed. Those who do know God and they decide, I'm going to do things my way, they can't get possessed because the Spirit of God is living in them, but they can't get oppressed. In other words, they can be troubled and depressed and downtrodden and defeated and losing all the blessing of God and living a life of hell. This guy didn't know God, and so he's possessed. And the demons are all talking. Verse number 34, let us... What does that tell you? Us. There's more than one. That's right. Because if you look at the devil, man, he's in a ring company. There are people who get into relationships with ungodly people and they think that they're just getting this individual. You're getting all the spiritual baggage that's coming with that person. You better be careful. You better make sure that who you hook up with 
as a God's child, you better make sure that whoever you're living with is a growing Christian, because if this is a stagnant Christian, it may not be a Christian at all. That is our own. What business do we have with each other? Um, the devil understands he is not on God's side. He is not a part of God's kingdom. Uh, there's nothing good about him, nothing godly about him. And we better understand the same. Um, have you come to destroy us? What does that tell you? The devil knows that Jesus has absolute authority over unclean spirits. He has the power to destroy it, and someday he will. What does that tell us about Jesus? He's not just an angel. Now he has power over angels at every level, even fallen angels. He is God, the Son. And he has power. You see what it says? He's the Holy One of God. If I'm not holy, I'm not like Jesus. If I have a living on the inside, it drives me to holiness. When I just had religion and I was just going to church, I could not master that holiness thing. I was always into one sin or the other, or into multiple sins, which was the usual case. But when the Holy One lives on the inside, we become holy, we become like Him, we start to despise our sin, and we start to receive power to live above our sin. Lots of churches believe in holy devils. And you can be a devil, live any way you want, live in your sin. And you're going to go to heaven, you're okay, you're a Christian. Not so. Not so. Um, do we say verse number five? But Jesus rebuked him. You know what the word rebuke means? It means he stopped him. He stopped and he has power and he exercises it over demons. We um, have to deal with people every day. You and I. Every day. People who are in the kingdom of Satan, they're connected to Satan, they're tools of Satan. Satan wants to use them against us, but God has authority to stop them. And that's why the Bible says, no weapon that is formed against you will prosper. I have had some wicked, evil, bad people come against me. And in every case, God was faithful. God was faithful. I'm still standing in their own. Jesus rebuked him. You see what it says in verse number 36? And amazement came upon them all. People are amazed by the power of Jesus Christ. 
be amazed with what God has done in your life. Because you know who looks at where you used to be and they look at where you are now and they're just simply amazed. I wish I could take you back to my 12th grade year in high school. I was on a program, and all I had to do was recite a poem that I wrote and had well memorized. I got up on stage, 12th grade, and I was going to say my poem, and couldn't remember anything. You ever try to make up a point <laughs> while you are on stage and you can't remember the one you wrote? I was in a mess. I was terrified of all these eyes, all of them looking right at me. Um, but when it came to me doing my first sermon, Eyes all over the church looking at this new guy. And I wasn't bothered at all. Wasn't shy, wasn't wasn't concerned at all. With the difference I got nice. Um I hope somebody is amazed at what God has done in your life. That's, that, that's not a statement about you. That's a statement about the power of God. I hope that somebody is amazed at what they're seeing in your life. And if they're not, there's still breath in your body. There's still opportunity right now for you to let God use you in a way that people find amazing. Where do you get that kind of strength? Um, you know, we do these five-day camps, and sometimes I'm amazed at how some people can just endure the week with such grace, such sweet spirit. Um, they're not our energy at the end of the week. They want some more. Um, that's the grace of God. That's the grace of God. Um, when they see the power, they ask the question, what is this message? With a power like that? Yeah, I want to hear more. When people see the power of God in your life, it gives them questions. You know, let your light shine before men. Why? So God can give glory. If people are not looking at your life and being amazed, it's either because you don't have Jesus on the inside or you're fighting against 
that Jesus is on the inside. He is saying, I want to speak through you, I want to use you, and you're saying, uh-uh. What did they say to Jesus? That's our authority. He spoke with authority. He was sure about what he was saying. He wasn't guessing, wasn't, you know. He was sure about what he was saying. He said it with authority. And there was a demonstration of power. He commands the unclean spirits and they come out. Um, does it ever happen to you where you find yourself in a situation and power out of nowhere comes over you? Does it ever happen to you? So here's how it works. If you are available, God will use you and the power will come over you for God to use you. If you're not available, or if you are living in dirt, I said I'm using a dirty vessel, but if you're living for God, and you're available, uh, God's gonna use you, he's gonna give you the power to do what he wants you to do. So, I want this to sort of rest in your spirit this week. Here's the question. Do you have any evidence showing in your life that there is an omnipotent God living inside you? Do you have any evidence of that? Because God doesn't use his power to play games. He doesn't just put his power somewhere for it to just be like out of circulation. He places his power in people who are willing to allow that power to be on display. I don't want to be a pre-only Christian. I don't want to be a talk-only Christian. I want to get something done for God. Last verse, verse 37. And the report about him was spreading like wildfire. It says into every locality in the surrounding district. Let me tell you why the message of the gospel, let me tell you why the word of God still works. Because there are so many hurting people who need this message. That's why. They figure out that you have something that works. Don't show up. 
I was at work one day. My boss said, Can I talk to you? And called me aside. I was like, What's this about? I didn't know what it And he started to tear up a little bit and said, my grandson, would you pray for him? There are lots of hurting people out there. They're trying to figure out who's connected with God. I can't see God, I can't feel God, I don't know God. But if I can reach Him through one of His kids, somebody that has a connection with Him, there's a lot of people that are interested. Do you know why churches all over America are dying? Because they don't have anything that anybody wants. So if all you have is religion, all you do is pray, all you do is talk. Who wants that? Who needs that? When Jesus shows up, practical things happen. Big things happen. That's why there are false religions out there who are trying to do big things in the community. Because they're trying to impress people that they have a connection with God when they don't. And then the people who do have the connection with God, they're like, you know, I got my own thing going on, God. Would you uh, please excuse me while I do my stuff? Because I don't want to use giftedness, I don't want to sacrifice, I don't want to serve, I don't want to be Jesus in his absence. I'm into me. You want to get me excited? Start talking about my job. You want to get me excited? Start talking about my houses, my kids my stuff, and I'm all excited. Talk to me about Jesus, boring. I'm never gonna get excited about that. We're never gonna have a really good conversation about that because that's just not where my heart is. Uh, talk to me about sports, talk to me about social media, talk to me about people on TV, but if you talk to me about Jesus, uh, yeah, I'm just not gonna. I'm just not going to be much of a conversationalist around Jesus. Um, the Apostle Paul, he said, the uh, challenge that a lot of people have 
Because then the guy would go, oh, Jesus. He said, if anybody comes to you with another Jesus, and God lives in that person, a lot of people have a Jesus who is not the Jesus of the Bible. You get the right Jesus, you're going to love people. You're going to serve people. You're going to try to lead people to God. And you're going to have this longing in your heart. Come, Lord Jesus. Would you like for him to come this afternoon? My answer is, right now is good with me. Right now. That's good with me. Now I said, I want to go home. Love the popsicles, love the bicycle, love the cartoons, but I want to go home. If you have the right Jesus, soon everybody will know it. Everybody will know it. Your mission changes. You change. Let's pray, shall we? We ask, dear God, that you would take your words and that you would seal them to our hearts. That probing question, is there any evidence in your life that you have an omnipotent, omnipotent God living inside you? Where's the evidence? Where's the fruit? Where's the power? Where's the authority? Where's the love? Where is the service? I pray to God that we would get the right Jesus. Your well beloved Son. Challenge us, change us. Let Him live through us. Help us get beyond our smallness, our wrapped up in ourselves mentality, our materialism, our worldliness, our dirt. I pray that you would help us, oh God, to live the life of your Son. Pray that you would save us from our sin, from our selfishness, from our self-thoughts, from our shallow missions. Turn us, oh God, in the direction of the real Jesus. We ask that you do that for us. In Jesus' name, amen.